0: Today's reading, if you want to find it in the Bibles, is on page 1000. And it's from Matthew, chapter 28, beginning to read at verse 16. (coughs) After Jesus had risen, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks Thanks be to God. Morning, all. Can you all hear me? We can do something about the volume. I'm afraid we can't do much about the content. Um, we were having a few problems with the induction loop at the first service, so um, if anybody's having problems hearing, um, blame Steve, not me. <laughs> oh, hello, Steve. Right then. I don't know about you, but there are, you know, we, I certainly have passages in the Bible that I would rather run away from. Which didn't make me feel very comfortable when I was asked to preach on one of them. Because evangelism is not my strong suit. And then when I started thinking about it and praying about it a bit more, I discovered there were big challenges in here about discipleship, which is also not my strong suit. And then I came to church last week and mere started preaching on discipleship if you i 'm um, not sure whether the uh, her sermon is up on the website yet, um, the techie team are um, pretty um, pretty busy at the moment, so uh, be, please bear, bear with them but um, once it 's up on the web- website, uh, for those of you who weren 't here because I know it was half term and uh, sole purpose and whatnot, uh, and what um, do get a chance to listen to it. it was one of the, she was preaching on um, the need to die to self, pick up one's cross, and follow Jesus. It was a difficult sermon. She t- uh, it was one of the best sermons I've, um, I've heard on it, and um, one of the things that sticks out to me was her honesty. I make no apology for the fact that I shall be recapping some of what she's said. As my anatomy t- uh, tutor said once, the only way you learn some of these things is by constant repetition. But I also feel that if God is giving two people the same sort of message consecutively, then I think he's probably trying to say something to us. Help. So anyway, let's pray. Lord, we stand in the presence of your majesty. We stand amazed at the magnitude of your love. We stand amazed at the riches of your grace which pour out your love on us time and time again when we continue to get it wrong. We praise you that you take us in our sins and you transform us into something glorious to bring glory to you. And you give us the honor and the privilege, Lord, of sharing in your mission, which is to do exactly the same with others outside. Lord, I'm a learner here. I do not pretend to speak from any experience at all. We're all learners here together, Lord as we're on that journey of being transformed from one degree of glory to another. So, Lord, teach us to know your desires, to want what you want, to love the people you love, to lay down our lives in the way that you lay down your life, Lord that people might see you in us. Lord, I pray that I might be found to have handled Scripture correctly. Lord will you please take all the glory to yourself amen it's customary to start these sermons with a story so here's mine this is one I heard a long time ago in my student days and it involves a bishop and a Salvation Army girl and this is where you can tell how old the story is because they found themselves both in the compartment of a railway carriage. Now, how long ago did we have railway carriages with compartments? Sardines is nearer the name of it now, isn't it? Anyway, there they were. The, the bishop sat on one side um, on that bench seat and um, in the corner, very comfortably, um, reading his copy of The Times. And in comes this um, Salvation Army girl, plonks herself down over, um, opposite him, puts her tambourines down with a great clatter, and looks across him... So right, I'm gonna have a go at this guy. And she says to him, Brother She says, she leans over him and slaps him across the knee and says, Brother, are you saved? And the bishop puts down his copy of the Times, looks down over the top of his half moon spectacles, and says, Do you mean have I been saved? Am I being saved? or shall I be saved? Now, in the days uh, that, that I heard this, uh, of course, of course, we were all um, new Christians. We were, uh, you, know, um, you know, fervent evangelicals all, all up for, um, for the gospel and the truth of the wo- um, of scriptures and all, and all that. And our feelings were, very, you know, our sympathies were very much on the go- side of the Salvation Army girl, um, and not with the uh, sort of old fuddy-duddy bishop. No, well, we have fuddy-duddy bishops anymore. Um... What's it worth if I don't tell him that? <laughs> but in those days, you know, um, he's, he, it almost seemed like he was uh, interested more in theological correctness than any life of the living word. But I want to turn that story slightly on its head, because I think in some ways it was very you know, re- representative of... Um, the evangelical churches to evangelism in those, da- uh, in those days. And I'm talking back the sort of 60s and 70s now. And it very much po- um, couched in terms of um, come to Jesus. Je- um, let Jesus into your life. He's your personal friend and saviour. You know, let him come. He is the answer to all your needs. Um, you know, he will, he will heal you. He will m- m- make your needs. And, it was, and whereas all these things are gloriously true, and we've just stood in worship, celebrating some of those things. And that last song that uh, Ben led, my golly, wasn't the presence of the Lord were, were with us then? And God in his grace, he does pour out love and grace and mercy and all the other things we need on us because he is love. But the danger of that approach is that, we see, is that Jesus has preached almost as a sort of um, sort of personal life accessory. As it well, you know, I, I, like nowadays we have personal trainers, we have personal image consultants. If you're important enough, um, and, it, and if we're not careful, it can become a very me-centered gospel, and that is the complete antithesis of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus didn't say, "Go out to the world and make converts and take men, tell them I can be their special friend and savior." Jesus said, "Go." into the world and make disciples of all nations. In fact, the, if you look at the Greek, it's actually slightly stronger. He says, go into the world and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, that is a very, very, very difficult, different ball game, And how it affects our outreach, how we react to people outside the church and how we draw them in, uh, and how we go from just evangelism into discipleship is something I'm not going to touch on today, partly because I don't know the answers, partly because it, it'll be different for each one of us depending on, our, our, on our, the sort of people we are, on our personalities, on the circumstances we find ourselves in. That's something we can explore with each other in our house groups and that's something I hope we'll be doing um, la- later on this week. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, on the basis that we cannot take anywhere anyone to a place that we haven't been ourselves, it means it means that the spotlight, to a certain extent, in this passage, is being shone back on us, on our own discipleship, and that's where, of course, it can get uncomfortable. It can get quite scary, but I'll deal with that in a moment or two. We look at um, so. With, let's just stop and think for a moment. I know Mia covered some of this last week, but it'll bear repetition. What is discipleship? Jesus. This was a conversation between Jesus and the eleven remaining apostles after the um, after the crucifixion and the resurrection. These are people who have given up everything for Jesus, and we've seen uh, we, we see the stories of this um, in the uh, in the in the gospels. Jesus goes up to uh, he goes up to Peter. He goes up to James. And John, the sons of Zebedee, and, say, uh, and, and says to them, follow me. And they drop everything and, uh, and, and follow him. They leave behind. It probably wasn't quite as dramatic as that because um, if you look at some of the other gospel accounts, you'll find that they, were, you know, they had some contact before that. But nonetheless, when the time came, Jesus said, follow me. They left everything. They left their jobs, they left their families, their livelihoods, and they came and followed Jesus. And they learned from him, and they fellowshipped with him, and they learnt to love him and to honor him and to worship him, and eventually they learnt who he really was. We see it slightly more dramatically with Matthew, the tax collector, and this does seem to have be been a, a very, very dramatic turnaround. There he is, sitting at his desk, cheating everybody out of their money. Jesus comes along, looks at him and says, follow me. And for anybody who's feeling guilty about the, their sins and feeling so guilty about who they are or what they're like or what they've done and feels that God can't touch them and isn't interested, this is a word for you guys. Because Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me. And Matthew does probably one of the biggest about turns in the, in the whole story of the Bible. He gets up, leaves his money behind, gives away what he's got left, repays everybody who's... Um, who he's cheated, repays them four times that is, real, that is repentance and he goes in and they, you know, throws a party for Jesus and anybody else he can get into the, uh, get into the house but all these people they, um, we don't know the stories of the other, uh, the, the other apostles but all of these people had left everything to follow Jesus now I am not saying that we should all do the same and please get me right on that one it may be that God is calling some of us to do that, but that is something obviously to test with each other. But I suspect that's probably going to be in today's circumstances. I suspect that's going to be they're going to be probably far few and far between. So, what is God saying to us through this? And I think what He's saying is, where in your list of priorities is the kingdom of heaven? And the and where in your list of um, of priorities is your desire to see the kingdom of heaven advance, to see the kingdom of heaven brought to people outside? And I'm saying this to myself. Mia said last week, um, and I hope she won't mind me quoting one of um, um, bits and pieces of her sermon. She said, "Following, i.e., discipleship, is not a leisure activity." It's tough. When I, when I, um, in the days when I was still um, having to dish, um, give up my curriculum vitae to, um, for, for job applications, I would, pre- I would list my church involvement as one of my leisure activities. But it's so much more than that. Okay, it's, it certainly has to become, become top of my, priori- my priorities, and it's not there yet. So please pray for me as I pray for you that, uh, that, that we, we get there. So, what does discipleship involve? And I've got... What I, what I did was... Um, I just skim read through um, the rest of Matthew's Gospel and just picked up a few bits of the teaching of Jesus on discipleship. And I'll, uh, I'm just going to share one or two of them now in no particular order. He calls us to be salt and light to the world, i.e., he's calling us to be like him in the world, to do what he's doing, to make a difference. He's calling us to deal... With all the attitude uh, to deal radically with all the, atti- um, the attitudes in our hearts, and, he, and if you go through the Gospels, you find he lists quite a few of them. He talks about dealing with anger, He talks about getting our relationships sorted out, he's talking about desi- um, letting go of the desire for revenge. He's talking about loving enemies, not liking them, loving them, which is one, which is one harder. He talks about forgiveness. And he talks as well about grace. We, talk, we sung about grace in that last song. And this is one I think the church, this is a trap the church has fallen into many times that we start condemning. We get, we get freed from our sins and then we start condemning everybody else in theirs. And we see it's happened time and time again. And we need to be careful. I have, um, I'm not going to stand here and tell you all the things that God has forgiven me. It would turn the air blue. But I have been given, forgiven so much. My desire is to extend that same forgiveness and that same acceptance to others. I cannot do anything um, with integrity. I cannot do anything else. I, am not, I think the church has sometimes got into trouble because it's been too con- and too quick to condemn. Yes, it's one thing to convict of sins, but that's the Holy Spirit's job. Too much we think we have to stand up for moral righteousness. And we end up you know, putting people's backs up. We're putting people off. When what we should be doing saying, look, we're all in the same boat. We've all blown it. But here is Jesus. He wants to make a difference. He wants to take you and change you into his glory. To be a disciple also has to be prepared to accept hardship and difficulty. Right right at the beginning of the gospel, he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people tell lies about you. He says, rejoice when that happens. The disciples, when they were persecuted, rejoiced that they were found worthy to suffer the same shame that Jesus suffered. That's a challenging one, and I'm not there on that one yet. Jesus said he'd send us out into the world like sheep amongst wolves. I mean, that's risky. That's dangerous. And he tells us with discipleship to count the cost. Be prepared for this sort of thing because it's going to happen. And Jesus makes no bones about that. As we, so discipling people is much more than just going out and saying here's Jesus, he's died for your sins come on in, come and receive him it's a matter of helping people to grow, helping people to face up to various issues helping people to, to become more like Jesus and that is a whole body ministry Paul in Ephesians 4 talks about various ministries Now, I'll just read, read them out if you can find it So he gives the uh, the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And he says to equip his people for works of service, i.e. to go out and make disciples of others so the whole body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And this is a part we all have to play. Mia said last week that, um, you know, when it's difficult, we see God in each other. That's how it should be. We see Jesus in each other, helping us on. As we help others, as people come into the church and we start to disciple them, teach them the truth about the fact that all their sins are forgiven. They are not condemned. That God can use them just as he can use us. Just, uh, just as we are. Okay, So... Um, you know, that, that, that is a whole body ministry. We, we pray each other into maturity. We help each other into maturity. God gives these gifts to the church and he gives them to ordinary people, not the professionals who stand up here. So let's be aware of the opportunities. Jesus then says, go on, he goes on to say, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I, I kept asking myself, why does he single out baptism? Why does he single out baptism amongst all the other things we can do? Why is it that when um, people become Christians or evangelize in, uh, in, oppressive, uh, in countries which are oppressive, it's not the evangelism that they seem to clamp down on, it's the baptism. It certainly used to be the case 20 or 30 years ago. I'm not, I'm not sure quite how it is now. But it always used to be that they, um, they would clamp down hard on, on baptism. I think possibly because it is a visible sign of what you're doing. But well, I puzzled over this for a while, and I think, the answer, I think the answer came to me a couple of days ago. If you look in Romans 6, Paul talks about be, when you're baptized, when you go into the water, and then you come out again, you, you, you go into, as you go into the water, you are baptized into Christ's death. And that word into is important. And in fact, got, um, Jesus, uh, the, the Greek in, in Matthew uses exactly the same words. He says, baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, exp- I'll expand on that m- a bit more in a moment, because it's important. He says we are baptized into Christ's death, so that when we rise again, we rise with his life. Now, Paul, in that stage, was, uh, was talking in the context of um, being, free from, uh, be, being free from sin. How do, we, um, how do we try and deal with sin alive? By realizing that we have died, to sin already, so that as we raise, 're raised to life, um, we, Jesus lives in us and gives us the power and the strength to resist temptation I know we, I know it doesn 't always work, and I fall as much as anybody else, but that, um, but that is the glorious truth of what Jesus has done for us. What, what it also means is of course that we, are, um, we ourselves die in baptism and become part of Jesus you know I you, he, he, um, as Jesus said I in them them in me this is an amazing thing we've been brought into but um, if as we um, so as we die we let go of all that we were and we become what Jesus wants us to be we become something new a new creations in Jesus so that as we're brought out of the, uh, the water again We we live the life that he lives in us. uh, We we say from time to time, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. We talk about living the resurrection life, um, which is great, but we have to let go. We have to die to ourselves first. And this 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 is really the core of what discipleship is all about. It's about letting go. And that's not a negative thing because of who we're coming to. Now, I got to this stage in preparing this sermon, and I must admit, I got pretty frightened. In fact, I found, that I found carrying on with this quite difficult. And um, I was talking to John Tiller early this morning before the first service, and he, um, he was saying, yes, the, uh, he reckoned the, uh, the, uh, the original disciples were probably pretty frightened at this stage. Just bear in mind, this was, what, six, seven weeks after Good Friday when Jesus was crucified, and they all ran a mile when Jesus denied Sorry, when Peter denied Jesus, and he got that the wrong way around, when Peter denied Jesus three times. And yet here's Jesus giving this, uh, uh, giving this, this commission. I only want to say one, one thing more, and that is to say that I've deliberately up till now missed out what Jesus said before and after. He said before, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. A year or so previously, Jesus had sent them out on a practice, uh, sort of, um, a practice mission, and you'll read about it in Matthew chapter ten. He, sa- he says, he, he says, he gives them authority to cast out demons, to heal diseases, and to uh, to cure lepers, etc., etc., etc. If he gives them authority, he gives them power, and you can remember, they, uh, if you remember that story, they came back absolutely full of what. God had done through them. So much so that Jesus had to uh, say a few cautionary words just to get them down onto, um, and onto an even keel again. But, he's, um, but he, he, when he gives authority, he gives power. Now, in the almost parallel passage to this one in the, the beginning of Luke, when Jesus says his last thing, the last words to the disciples, before he's taken back up to heaven. And uh, and we celebrated that on Thursday, by the way. Thursday was Ascension Day. He said, "But wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And of course, we know when that happened. It happened 10 days later on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is seven days away now. What I'm going to suggest is that we all pray and ask Jesus... To send his power, to send his spirit afresh on us. The the baptism in the spirit, the fullness of the spirit, whatever you want to call it. We we used to think of very much, in the same same way we used to think of evangelism. You know, have you had the second blessing? Have you had this? I can remember a long time ago listening to Jackie Pullinger from uh, Hong Kong. uh, Saying in a church I was going to at the time. The Holy Spirit helps you become more effective than you were before. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is for ministry. It's for giving is to enable us to minister to others. Not just to say, so that we, you know, yes, yes we're more aware of Jesus with us, we're, we're filled more with his love, we're filled more with his joy, etc. And that's, you know, that's great. But it is given so that we can become more like Jesus in giving of ourselves to others. All right. So let, um, as we approach this week, we work this week towards, uh, towards Pentecost, let us be praying that Jesus will help us. And the very final point is that Jesus says, and surely I am with you till the end of the age, to the end of time, however you want to um, interpret those last few words. The word surely, if you look in the Greek, is actually pra- um, is the word for lo- uh, that is always translated either lo or behold, which is always you know, taken, a, um, you know, it's, it's so formal now, and lo, the angel of the Lord came to, the, he came to so and so and said such and such. Well, it, it all seems very formalized but what he's actually saying is saying now go out preach and make disciples baptize them teach them to obey everything I've con- commanded you to, and look I'm with you for as long as it takes until I come back. It's that sort of excitement in, in a lot of the modern translations tra- uh, translated and surely or be sure I'll be with you. Make no mistake about it. I am always with you. I am in you. I'm with you. Be encouraged. Okay, So the challenge is to be more available to Jesus to be aware of his love to be aware of all that he's done for us but to be aware of the fact that he wants to use us to take it to others as well. Jesus gave everything for us. He's asking to do that to, uh, to others but he gives us the power to do it and he says he, he will always be with us he will never leave us or forsake us. It's going to be an exciting ride, it's going to be a bumpy ride and I can't say that uh, I'm any more enthusiastic about that than any any of the rest of you but it's the ride to which he calls us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus I've said what I believe you gave me to say but I acknowledge before all here that I need to hear it. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to any others. Lord, we all realize that we need a lot to be changed. And we thank you, Lord, that you are in the business of being changed from one degree of glory to another. And we thank you, Lord, that you are alive in each one of us that we can say with St. Paul I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but the life I live I live by the faithfulness of the God who died for me so Lord we thank you that you are faithful we thank you that you will provide everything we need we thank you Lord that you provide the will as well as the way as we try to follow you so Lord continue to challenge us continue to build us up Lord continue to strengthen us so that we can become more of the mission-shaped church that you want us to be. Amen.